Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. Today, I want to talk about the gift of peace. There is peace for the present. In other words, I want to talk about the peace that you can get from Christ today. It's times like these and months like this where we don't always feel peace. There are people in this room that have a hard time feeling peace because of things they've experienced. We live in a world that lacks peace. Maybe there are situations that have happened in the last couple of months that have robbed you of peace. And you can no longer enjoy life the way God intended you to enjoy But Jesus came. They prophesied thousands of years before that there would be someone that would come to give us peace. If you have your Bibles, I want to open up with Isaiah chapter 6. I mean chapter 9, I'm sorry. Verses 6 and 7. They can put it up there real quick. Isaiah prophesies this thousands of years before Jesus ever steps into the picture. He said, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I want to go to our main text today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 verse 14. I think I read it last week, but we're going to stay on it. It says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is is pleased. The night that Jesus was born, peace entered the world. The night that Jesus was born, that was the night that God's wrath and God's curse and every other thing was no longer going to happen because Jesus came into this world. Because Jesus was born, and when he was born, they announced peace to our world. When Jesus was born, peace was announced. And we get peace from Jesus. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing this world can do. There is nothing that Satan can do to rob peace from your life. Nothing. When Jesus came... Peace came. And because peace is present, we can live that every single day of our lives because of him, because of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ being the Prince of Peace, we get, he has the authority for me and you to keep that peace every single day. Hallelujah. How many are grateful that we can get peace today for the rest of our lives because of Jesus Christ? In fact, the definition of prince is this just so you know it is to have authority dominion and rule in other words when jesus came with peace he has the authority to deliver and to protect that for me and you he has the authority the authority to do that and so this morning i want to talk about five definitions of peace in the new testament So that you can understand what does that look like for me and you. And how me and you can experience that today. 
Because peace is not just for tomorrow. Peace is not meant just to be on a Sunday. It is the will of God for you to have peace every single day. For you to wake up in peace, for you to go to sleep in peace, for you to go to your job in peace. It is God's will for you to live in peace. Not stress, not anxiety, not depression. That is not God's will for your life. God's will is for you to have peace. That is why the angels came and declared peace over every single person. In other words, before Jesus, there was a lack of peace. And when Jesus enters the picture, peace comes. Peace comes. My desire, my prayer has been that you would have a peace of mind, a peaceful heart. That you wouldn't live anxious and stressed all of your life. Or you have high blood pressure all the time because you can't relax. Where things of your past And trauma keep coming up and you can't relax. Jesus has come to set you free like we sang today. He has come so you can live in peace. Never to go back to who you used to be. I'm talking about five definitions. Number one is this. If you're a note taker today, is this. Can you put it up there? Peace is this. It is tranquility of the heart and mind. Peace is tranquility of the heart and mind. And mine. Jesus wants you to live in peace mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He wants you to live in peace. That is the desire of God for our lives. But it is our responsibility to keep that. Jesus provides the peace. It is our responsibility to keep the peace. The moment we relinquish that responsibility is the moment that we lose the peace for our lives. Because what happens is this. We try to put peace and the responsibility of peace on somebody else. Somebody else has to be responsible for my peace. When it is not their responsibility, it is your own responsibility to have peace. The moment we place that on someone else, they become our source and not God. And so many times that happens. We put our peace, our love, our joy, our emotions on a person. And they are not God. They are human. And because they are human, they fail us. And when they fail us, we fail ourselves and we go back to the cycle. That is why Jesus came to give you a peace that only he can give. And peace is to give us a tranquility of heart and mind. He wants you to be emotionally healthy. He wants you to be whole. Not just on Sundays feel good. And feel good about yourself. No, no. He wants you to live like this every single day. He doesn't want you sleeping at 5 a.m. Because your, your mind is just going crazy. And, you, you know, you, you call it like, I'm just a night owl. But reality is, is that you, your mind is going because you don't have peace. And you're trying to find peace in other things to keep you just... Same. God doesn't want that for you to live like that. 
He wants to be your source today, church. If you can allow Jesus to be the source of your peace, you'll never find yourself lacking in that area. That's why the Bible says this. If you can go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. This is what I mean when me and you are responsible for our heart. It is our responsibility to protect it. You have the right to reject anything that wants to rob your peace. You have the right to. You have the right to cut people off that want to rob your peace. You have the right to not listen to anything that would rob your peace. You have that right today. God has offered you peace, but it is your job to guard it. And if we can learn to guard it, we'll be able to experience what this truly means. The Bible also says this in 2 Timothy 1.7. You can put it up there real quick. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. There's another version that says, and a sound mind. And a sound mind. You can live with a sound mind. A mind that is not chaotic, a mind that is not flushed with thoughts and negative things and, and things that the enemy constantly tries to whisper in your ear. You can live today with a sound mind because of Jesus Christ, because of his authority that you carry on the inside. You can live with that. And Jesus' peace provides that for your life today. That is a gift, church, that I could have a sound mind in the midst of chaos. I could have a sound mind in the middle of everything that's going on in our world. I can have a sound mind. Even in the middle of things that are happening in my job. I could have a sound mind in a carne with my family. I could have a sound mind. I can have a sound mind tonight when the Cowboys play the Eagles. We're going to stop there because if not, I'll keep going. I can have a sound mind. Here's one more verse just to prove my point. 3 John 1, 2. Can you put it real quick for them? It says, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. Jesus wants you to have a healthy heart and a healthy mind, a healthy spirit. He wants you to be whole. And when you have the peace of Christ coming into your life, you become whole. You become whole. Second thing is this, second definition of peace in the New Testament. It is living with a sense of divine favor from God, arising out of reconciliation with God. Reconciliation is, comes from Jesus Christ, between us and Jesus Christ. Jesus took, it upon, took upon himself the cross. He took on 
everything. He took on sickness. He took on the curse. When Jesus was up there bloody beaten for me and you, he took on the wrath of God so that me and you could have the grace and favor of God today. So that me and you wouldn't have to go through any of those kind of things. We receive peace because we are reconciled. When you repent and you turn to God, you are receiving everything that Jesus died for. You're receiving peace. You're receiving love. You're receiving hope. You're receiving healing. You're receiving provision. You are receiving everything that God has designed as designed for humanity. That is what you receive from Jesus Christ. He died so that you don't have to deal with those things and be dominated by the sins and the aches of this world. He died so that you can live with victory every single day. He died, and we can get peace with that. We get peace knowing that his work on the cross, church, this morning, his work on the cross allows us our reconciliation, me reconciling with God allows me to experience Peace. And living with divine favor, church. Divine favor is different than humanity's favor. Because humanity's favor, when I get favor from humans, it is very temporary. But I can live with a constant favor from God. It is divine favor. And I get that from Jesus Christ himself. And you get that as well. You can live with divine favor. Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you've decided in your heart to repent and to give your life to Christ. You've turned from who you were and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've turned from your old life and you've reconciled with God. And therefore, you receive his peace. In fact, 1 Peter, if you could put that so they could see it, says this. Talking about reconciliation. First Peter 5.12 says this. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I've commend, who I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing, experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. We stand in the grace of God. Peter is encouraging these people To stand firm in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We stand in the grace of God. We don't stand in anything else. We stand in the grace of God. Romans 5.12 says this. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And then he goes on, go to verse 13. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law breaking. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. And even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representative of Christ who was yet to come. Verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through his, this other man, Jesus Christ. Paul's saying this, that when Adam came, sin came. 
And because of Adam's decision to, dis- to disobey God in the book of Genesis, sin enters and we dealt with sin. But then Paul is saying, but then something happens. Another man comes. Jesus comes. And now we find grace and righteousness in him. We are no longer labeled as sinners. We are no longer labeled as all the other things. When Jesus came, he came to forgive us and make us clean and to make us brand new. So you are sitting here because of the righteousness of God. And the more, church, you have to understand that the more you accept the gift of grace from God. The more you accept God's grace, the more you accept, okay, God, thank you for the, you know. Because sometimes, here's the thing, church. Sometimes we can be very, very hard on ourselves. We can be very hard on ourselves. I'm one of them. I can get very hard on myself when I feel like I'm not um, living up to what I feel like I can live up to towards the Lord. And it can be very hard when you come through these doors and feel like, man, I'm not good enough. Or, man, I don't have what she has or I don't have what he has. And you start comparing yourself. A lot of stuff happens like that. But if you can accept the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, and again, his righteousness that he's given you, the more you accept that, the more shame, guilt, and all these other things begins to fade away because you are no longer focused on those things. You're focused on who you are now in Christ Jesus. You're no longer focused on all those things. You're accepting, God, I thank you for the grace that you have over my life. I thank you that I can come into this room, worship you, and you're not going to send lightning to me as I lift up my hands. Nobody in this room has caught on fire today. Praise God. Because usually people, I've told, there's people that I've tried to invite them to church and they're like, no, Pastor Sam, or no, they don't call me Pastor Sam. They just know me as Sam. Sometimes I don't like telling people that I'm a pastor because then they start acting weird and it bothers me. Have you ever had that? Like you're trying to like, I, no, you're not, but it happens to me all the time. They're like cussing up a storm and then hey, by the way, uh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, you know, uh, you know I'm sorry. that. Uh, and they start changing their demeanor. And so it's not that I'm embarrassed to be a pastor. I just hate the way people feel when I tell them that. Like they have to change who they are. And I'm just trying to love on them. And I, and I, and I act normal. I don't try to be like, man, you're a filthy sinner. You should come at 10 a.m. to ICM, by the way. You know. I just act normal and tell love on people. And a lot of times what ends up happening is it's almost like a time that they confess everything. And I'm just trying to get my coffee and I'm just like, let me go get my priest suit on and build. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, I'm going to stop now. But the more you accept the grace of God, the more all that stuff begins to fade. And you recognize, I, I did make a, state, a mistake, and I have done things that I am not proud of. But I thank God for his grace that I can still stand before him and him still accept me. I can live with that peace because of my reconciliation with God. 
I have reconciled with God. I've repented. Obviously, when I make a mistake, God, I'm sorry, but I don't have to live with that identity. And too many people live with an identity that God has already forgiven them for. The only reason why you keep bringing up that identity is because you keep bringing it up. Or you're allowing someone else to still tag you as that. You've allowed them to label you and keep that label of you. There are probably people that you know that even though you're changing your life and you're doing better, they're almost like they're waiting for you to come back. Ever met people like that? Like that went on, like, I'll see you in six months back in this place. Like, ah, he's just on a high right now with Jesus. They'll come back. There are people that are expecting you to, but by the grace of God, that's not going to be your story. I see people here flourishing in Jesus' name. I see people here being set free. And because of their freedom, other people are set free. Because of your freedom. Don't allow people's expectations to ruin what you expect from God. Don't allow it. Because people will always have an expectation. They will always have something to say. We live in a world of opinions, church. They will always have something to say. If I had a, a, a dime for every single person, every single thing someone has said about me, I'd be a millionaire right now. I'd be living in Hawaii or back in Puerto Rico, something. If I let people's opinions get to my spirit, I'd be rich. But I refuse to allow the words of people to disrupt what God has done for my life and what he's going to continue to do until the day he comes. Live at peace that you are reconciled with God. Live at peace that you have the grace of God, the mercy of God to continue forward. And the more you accept not only the grace, but the favor of God over your life, the more confident you're going to walk in his provision. The more you accept the favor that God has over your life. Because everyone in this room here to let you know that you are favored by God. You are favored by God. If no one else has told you that, I'm telling you, you're favored by God. You're favored by God. And the more you walk and accept that I am favored by God, the more confident you will walk in his provision. And when you learn to walk in his provision, you'll be able to cut out all the other stuff. You'll be able to cut out the depression and the anxiety and all the things that try to plague people's life. You'll be able to cut that out because you know who you are and where you stand with God. Where you stand with God. And that is what it is. It is peace. It is living with divine favor out of a reconciliation, out of a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Out of your relationship with Jesus, you walk with grace and divine favor. Favor that man cannot give you. No matter their title, no matter the money that they have, favor that man cannot, it is favor from God.
So number one was tranquility of heart and mind. Number two, peace is in the Bible. It is living with divine favor out of reconciliation with God. Number three, author and giver of all blessings. The author and giver of all blessings. Romans 15, says this. It says, now may God who gives us his peace be with you all. And then he ends it with this. Amen. May the God of peace be with you always. Peace here is Jesus, the author and giver of all blessing. Jesus created blessing for you and he will never forsake you in that blessing. The author, put it up there again. Point three, the author and giver of all blessings. Jesus is the author and giver of all blessings. That is peace. Peace to know that because of Jesus, blessings belong to me and to you. Because of Jesus, we can live in that blessing and he will not forsake you at any point of of your life. That is our Christ. And he gives us the opportunity to be blessed. Too many people think that blessings are for other people. No, you know what? God blessed that person. They deserve it more. You know what? God blessed that person. And they never fail to recognize that there is a blessing for them as well. There is a blessing for you today, church. Amen? Okay, some of you, because it's getting very quiet in here, just like, are you sure, Pastor Tom, I'm going to get? Yes, it's for you. Sure, yes, I am 100% sure. Which you just saw a testimony, not even, what, like 20 to 15 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago? It is a blessing for you. Have, in, have peace today knowing that God wants to see you blessed. Not just blessed financially, just blessed in general, church. God wants to see that. Number four is this. Peace is simply this, that God is not mad at you. The most simplest one of all these points. That God is not mad at you. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. One more time so you can understand this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Church, justified means this. It is right standing with God. It is right. In other words, peace has come to end the hostility that you have between you and God. Jesus has come to end whatever has been between you and God all these years. He's not mad at you. Why, Pastor, did you put that? That's like very cliche and obvious because so many people live like he is mad at them. 
How do I know? Because they live in fear every single day of God. How do I know? Because they come to church and they don't worship. They just stand and just look at the screen and you can tell when someone understands who they're worshiping and who they don't, when they don't understand. God is not mad at you. Have peace with that. When you have a relationship with Jesus, one more time, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. Jesus has come and the wrath of God has been removed. Jesus has come and salvation has come for your life. Jesus has come and peace is here for your present life. He's come. He's here. Not marriage. Too many people out of religion are afraid that God is going to do something crazy. He's going to burn down their house, rob them, whatever it is that you could think of. People live like that. Don't realize that a, when you give your life to Jesus, peace comes. And it, you have to understand, it has never been God's design from the very beginning to burn your house or your family. It's not God's design for anything. When we experience troubles in this world, it is out of decisions that people make and sometimes we make. And sometimes they're decisions that are out of our control. There are things that happen in this world that me and you don't have control of. Someone decided and they acted on that. Mass shootings wasn't anybody's fault. And someone decided to do that. Addictions, nobody's fault. Someone decided to act in that addiction. Pornography, drugs, whatever it is. Someone decided. Nobody put a gun to their head and made them do it. Someone decided to do that. God, it wasn't God saying, let me put this on them so maybe they can remember that I exist. No. God gives every single person in this room and in this world the free will to decide if they're going to live for God or reject God, to decide to cut that off or keep going with it. And when you feel like you don't have the power to, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to give us the power to overcome it. Amen? Last one is this. If you go to the New Testament dictionary or whatever, peace is this also. Peace is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. That is the peace from God. Health. Welfare, prosperity, and every, time, every kind of good. Actually, repeat after me. Say health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. If you need to write that down or you need to say it every single day to remind yourself, that is what peace is. It is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. That is the peace of God. Health, 
welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. God wants you to be healthy, mind, body, and soul. God wants you to be healthy, mind, body, and soul. God wants you to live well. He wants you to live well. Your welfare matters to God. God wants you to be prosperous, church. Sometimes people see the word prosperity and they're like, oh, here we go. They start thinking of how people have abused this. God wants you to to prosper in the right kind of way. Not to abuse it. Not to make an idol out of it. He wants you to prosper, church. He wants you to prosper in the right kind of way. He wants you to prosper, church. The Bible says, Jesus said himself that we are to clothe the naked and give to the hungry. How can me and you clothe the naked and give to the hungry if we can't even feed our own families? Does God not want us to prosper? When we did that series on money, one of the first things I said is we are blessed to be a blessing. Being prosperous is just is for you to take care of your family, but to also bless the people. It is to advance the kingdom of God. And I can't advance the kingdom of God if I myself am not prosperous. This isn't me trying to bend your arm. The Bible, all through the Bible, God has always wanted his people to prosper, starting with Abraham. You can put uh, Genesis, uh, was it chapter 12, so they can see. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. This was God. When God called Abraham, he said, he told Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing to others. In other words, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going to be known, but within that blessing, you're also going to be a blessing to others. And that is also God's desire for me and you. God will bless your life, and it's okay. Some people don't feel shame because you have money. God wants to bless your life, but within that blessing, he also is asking you to advance the kingdom of God. To be a blessing to other people. If God has blessed you, it is your responsibility to also be a blessing to people that don't have the money. And to give and to participate. But God wants you to prosper. Do I make sense this morning? Okay. He wants you to prosper in the right way. In the right way. He wants you to prosper. As every kind of good. In other words, God is good. He does good, and he has declared goodwill towards men. God is good. He does good. He declares goodwill towards all humanity. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. That is peace. 
all the things that we taught about peace this, this morning, the root of it all is this. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be whole. Not to come into church and missing things like a puzzle. You're missing things in your life. He wants you to be whole this morning. This morning, you know, my prayer has been getting ready to talk about this gift of peace is that everyone in this room would experience this peace in all areas of their life. Today's teaching, if you have to go back later tomorrow and rewatch it, I know it was a lot of information, a lot of verses. I wanted to spend time because peace is probably one of the biggest things that people deal with today. It's one of the biggest things is that word, peace. Whether it's because they're overwhelmed because of things that have happened in their life and they lack it or there's a lack of peace in their home between their kids or their spouse or uncles or whoever. There's a lack. And so I wanted to take time so that you can understand what the Bible means when it comes to peace. When the angels declared that peace has come. That peace has come. That's why we titled it Peace for the Present. Because peace has come for you today. And forever, you can experience the peace of God for the rest of your life. You can experience that. You can experience today when you go home or when, wherever you go eat with your family. That I am at peace with God. That God's going to take care of us. That I have a, I, my identity is in him. That if I'm dealing with something, I can release that to God. And God has the power to do something about that. We can live with that kind of peace. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.